It's time to rechoice. Welcome to the Rechoice Podcast, a place to listen again, choose wisely, and live joyfully. My name is Joe Pellerito, and we have made it to episode 10. You're here at the Rechoice Pod, where you hear valuable lessons from a variety of people who have something in common, a reflective and resilient mindset. There are three basic steps to Rechoice. Name the experience, choose a Rechoice word beginning with the letters R-E, and then tell us how it applies. You can read more at RechoicePod.com. But now, it's time for the show. final Thursday of the month, which means this is a recap episode for the month of February. Recap episodes are where I share your thoughts from feedback and comments from the month's episodes. I pull these from your interactions with RechoicePod.com and our social media pages, and I'll give you an update from our guests who were actually recorded several weeks ago. So, here we go. One common theme among all the episodes this month was the element of a career change. Episode 7 featured Mel Trombley at the Grand Rapids area of commerce, and her word was redefine. After we recorded, Mel was excited to report that she's going to Salt Lake City in March. Why so excited? Well, it's the X4 Experience Management Summit. Okay, when I heard that, I didn't know what that meant. Well, here's what it is. According to the X4 website, It's a collection of visionaries and leaders behind the world's most iconic organizations where they come together to tell the stories behind their breakthrough customer, employee, product, or and brand experiences. All right, I still wasn't sure what that meant, but you won't believe the list of people who are going to be there. You may remember some of Mel's heroes featured during the podcast, Ellen DeGeneres, Michelle Obama, it just so happens she gets to hear from both of them live at that conference, at the X4 conference. Other keynotes uh, feature Brene Brown, Angela Duckworth, Tony Hawk, and even Matthew McConaughey. Mel, that's going to be all right, all right, all right. I can't wait to hear how that goes for you. Incredible. Episode 8 featured Kenneth Joyner, author of the book Without a Father, From Fear to Faith. Kenny, your episode hit home, man. Um, thank, thank you for reflecting on your career and your life path by showcasing your rechoice word, redeem. As I see the photos of daddy-daughter dancers this month, it, it underscores the influence of our fathers. And I'm glad to hear your daughter, Brea, loved her new room that you and Nicole surprised her with. Listeners, at the time of this recording, right now, Kenny today is speaking at the Charleston Youth Leadership Council for what's called the Bow Affair. Kenny is keynoting at the Rites of Passage ceremony for some amazing African-American young men, marking their official transition from malehood to manhood. If you're interested in learning more about this, check the show notes. Uh, there'll be a link to the Bow Affair website. Kenny, they picked the right man to speak today. I also put a link to Kenny's book in the showcase notes as well. And then there was episode 9, which was special for me because, hey, it centered on my twin brother, Mark Pellerito, and his word, relocate. We traced his career path, a long journey from state to state. Mark is back 
from another long journey to Australia after spending several weeks there to assist with the historical firefight. After being in such hot summer weather with fire, I'm glad you're back home in cold weather with snow. It's so cool that you've had some family time now, Montreal with your daughter Autumn, and that you made it home just in time to go to Amelia's father-daughter dance. So listeners, I'm happy to let you know that Mark is going to be a return guest so you can hear about his incredible Australian trip. I'm also excited that my older brother Mike, Mark, and I have decided on our next half marathon. It will be in Mark's hometown location of Binghamton, New York for the bridge run, and that'll be in the first weekend of May. And now it is time for your comments. One question I asked along the whole theme of this month's podcast was, what has made you change some careers? Robbie Hall responded this way, December 2008, I was let go from a corporate buying position, was unemployed for a full year when God opened the door for me to enter Kentwood Public Schools, the art, what's called the ARCH program. That led to an office parapro position, which eventually led to his current position. Uh, last year, he chose not to pursue a promotion um, for two main reasons. One, he discovered that he is in the right seat on the bus, quote unquote. Uh, he has the best of all his skills and abilities being utilized daily, and he's very satisfied in that. And two, as he puts it, I have an amazing immediate supervisor and Jackie Carter Harris, and I would not choose to be under anyone else's assignment. Um, good bosses develop and keep good employees, which, you know, you've probably heard that before. You know, people don't leave their jobs, they leave their boss. So Jackie, a uh, great reminder there that you're an amazing person. <laughs> so thanks, Jackie. And uh, thank you again, Robbie. Cheryl Redner, she said she changed careers because, and that actually was a pretty recent change, um, because it was a lifelong dream and passion. She left a school and kids that she loved and was comfortable with, so th this made this very scary, but she so loves what she does and where she's at that it's been worth it. Um, she also, you know, it is scary. It is scary, especially when we believe in what we're doing and who we're with and why we're doing it. But Cheryl, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy you took a risk. And wherever you are, you get to share your gifts and bring your light to whoever's around you. Tom Vandermullen. I grew up with Tom. He changed because more money and not only a massive challenge, but also a way to improve himself. And he, as he states, for my future with a special someone. Matt Pepper uh, said that he changed because of opportunity or potential to mold your dream, to make it a reality for both. Matt, you make me think of Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society when he tells his students to carpe diem, seize the day. You have definitely done that. Listeners, I hold in my hands right here uh, a letter from Matt because it was in this weekend's mailing from the Michigan Humane Society in which I'm a proud supporter. Matt is the president and CEO and we'll be featured in a future episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing you and Abby next month, brother. Kevin Miles says, Hey, Joe, I changed jobs because I needed to for financial reasons. I needed to support my family and wasn't quite, it wasn't quite cutting it doing full-time ministry work and publishing on the side. He makes more money now, but he does admit that it's hard to find the fulfillment and influence that he once had. Uh, Kevin, I just want to say from many years ago, 
I'll always be thankful for what I learned from you. And that, that continues really the lessons I learned continue today. So thank you so much. Jen Scott, she said she changed positions because she couldn't change the toxic culture that was there. Um, she couldn't participate anymore with the lack of transparency and because her gut feeling was stronger than logic. So Jen, um, I know you're much happier now. Rachel, uh, Rachel Decker says the same thing. She says, Jen, words right out of my mouth, ditto. The universe put me on a path that led me to the best place I've ever been in 25 years of working full time. Rachel, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you when we record your episode soon. Catherine Van Overen, uh, she says, she's got kind of a two-part answer here. She says she stayed because she still believes in helping students. She's a counselor at East Kentwood High School, and she's good at her job. And there is that, uh, as she puts it, that pesky issue of a pension. Um, I will leave when I believe it is not right a right fit anymore, and it's time to pass the torch. Incredibly scary, but exciting to think that that could just be a few years away. When she continued um, on another comment, she said that she did leave positions, however. She left her leadership position this year because she felt a colleague was in a better place to have more influence, that her time had passed, um, that, that it was an excellent decision. This is a great reminder that leaders are multipliers, meaning who can we empower? Whose strengths may be better suited right now? And who's going to lead us in the future after we're not there anymore? So Catherine, passing the torch effectively usually means several steps if we want to ensure the success of the next person. Thank you for sharing, Catherine. That that was this is eye opening there. So the next question I had is why did you stay at your current position or why do you love your job now? Elizabeth Guzman says that she stayed because she loves her team. Somewhere closer would be nice. But my happiness at the workplace supersedes the commute. Um, she says that one reason she loves her job is that every day brings something new. So a little bit about Liz. She's an assistant principal at Clute Intermediate um, School in Brazosport, Texas. Liz, I'm so happy to hear the joy you're experiencing. And you're right. You know, if the good things are happening, we're, we will pass many schools to go to the one that we feel called to. Um, I've seen that joy myself on your campus and man, I sure miss you guys. Stevie, Stevie says, uh, Stevie Suena says I'm, I've stayed because I like what I do. I have a lot of vacation time and I'm treated well. So why start over now? You know what? When you're, when you love what you do and you're treated well, and I mean, that sounds like a sweet spot. So congratulations, Aaron, Aaron Lee says that 100% autonomy and trust that my boss gives me to make all the decisions I think are best to run an efficient operation, that, that that trust and autonomy is what she appreciates and why she stays where she's at. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Kimbrough says that uh, the hope that she can instill in others about their own future and the future of this world is why she does what she does. She's an assistant principal at East Kentwood High School. Todd Johnston of uh, Kenowa Hills, one reason he loves his job is that without peak performance, that's physical education at Kenowa, um, that he would never would have discovered Grandma Waz's potato salad. Okay, uh, listeners, I don't know what that means, um, but I think it was directed for Nick and Renee. It must be 
an inside joke. So I'm letting it stand. And then at the end, he says, I mean, creating lifelong friendships with kids and their families. <laughs> so thanks, Todd. Uh, ben Crocker, he loves that he's challenged and that he's embraced. And I mean, those two words right there, that you feel safe, uh, that you're embraced and welcome and that you're challenged. I mean, that's it, isn't it, Ben? So, um, hey, and listeners, you're gonna, you can look forward to hearing from Ben in a future episode as well. Uh, Mark Sullivan, um, my, or, or should I say Mock, Mock Sullivan from Australia, uh, though he lives in the States now, I, he puts it, he makes it very simple. Um, what do you love about your job? And he says, it's not a job. <laughs> and that is right on. I'm glad we're teammates, Mark. Um, Kenny Henson says, I know at the end of the day that I have made a difference in someone's life that I'll never meet. Uh, I'm not sure what Kenny does, but I think it's tech related, so he doesn't meet people face to face. I think anytime we can answer yes to the question, did I make a difference today? That's a win. So thank you, Kenny. Matt Crater says it gives him freedom to be involved in his family's life or in his family's lives, uh, family members' lives. Yeah, at the end of our life, I don't think people say, man, I really wish I would have spent more time at work. So. Matt, I'm glad you're able to spend time with your family. And uh, Matt had a follow-up comment that, yes, he thinks he could make more money in some other fields, but you just can't buy back time chasing money. So the fact that he doesn't miss kids' sports, schools' events, etc., that is invaluable, immeasurable. Uh, money can always be made, but he says, I only get these kids for a blink of an eye. Well stated, Matt. Lee Tran, um, Lee is an art teacher at East Kentwood High School. She says, the opportunity to learn along with my students. And Lee, I hope my son gets the opportunity to learn from you soon in the next year or two because art is his favorite subject. So um, Lee, you know, it's cool too. Is I know a teacher who has taught for over 50 years, and when, um, but I think he would actually say that he's he has been taught for over 50 years. That's what's great about being in education. We keep learning. Uh, Carol Riscala, um, language arts teacher at, at Kentwood, she says the lifelong connections that she makes with her students, and you are right, lifelong is absolutely correct. In fact, last night we just attended a, a former student's wedding. Um, it's so neat to see where, where they go and where they grow. Uh, Kristen Booth says it has purpose. That's why she's where she's at. And uh, Kristen, purpose is written all over you. Um, all right, John McGee. John McGee says what he loves is that he works with a great team. And uh, right back at you, John. Love you, man. Joy Sparks, also a teammate of mine. She says she gets to create multipliers. Um, and isn't that what leadership is all about? Uh, once that fuse is lit, to pass it on. Kathleen Carney, uh, recently retired. Um, she says that why she loved her job was the opportunities she got to meet, teach, and connect with students and their parents from all over the world. And that is true. Uh, we're at a district where there's, I don't know, somewhere between 68 and 72 countries represented. And uh, Kathleen was uh, really a, a, a key component for our English language learners. So that's fantastic. And, and, and uh, related, um, Aaron, Aaron Wallahan says that she loves meeting and supporting new Americans and their families, learning about cultures from all around the world, 
And what I love is that she says helping to humanize the data. So Aaron, um, thank you for the articles uh, and the information and all of that, that, that you've, that I've read from you. Um, no, no doubt. Um, Malik Baker keeps it simple. He says it's the kids. That's why he does what he does. Uh, you might remember Malik. He was our first episode. Heather Mallory May, one of our best friends and happens to be my dentist of over 20 years. She gets to help people smile with their best smile possible. That's the tooth. Okay, that was terrible. Uh, Sarah Sonnenfeld um, at Fitzgerald Public Schools in Warren, Michigan, says she loves the countless connections between people, learning, and the future. She also shared that family matters, both her home family and her work family uh, with her teammates. And isn't it great when we get to work on a team that feels like family? So Kyle Anderson, he says he's you know being in the business of enhancing the lives of young people. Yeah, those are pivot points for those young people. Uh, Kyle, you get to you know, be there at their trajectory moments. You get to point them in the right direction. So thank you, Kyle. Michelle, uh, another another educator, she gets to help children, uh, Michelle Pierce, I should say, gets to help children discover how amazing they are. I mean, that's great. Uh, teachers frequently talk about the light bulb moment when a kid gets it. You know, usually it's like a concept that they're frustrated with and they finally got it. But I love, Michelle, how you said it's important. The discovery you're pointing out here that that they're valuable, that they are amazing, that they, they have strengths that they didn't even know they had. Um, that is a valuable light bulb moment. Rebecca Lair Ibanez says that um, she has found a job where uh, it combines all of her strengths, logic, reading, empathy, and arguing. <laughs> so, uh, Becky, I love that you get to leverage your strengths. That's a sweet spot. And thank you for being the voice for so many people so that there really is true justice for them. Okay, we're almost done with the comments here. Uh, my brother, we got some simple, simply stated reasons right here. Mike Pellerito, my older brother, he says he has stayed where he's at because simply he's comfortable. You know, he feels good. Uh, Dean, Dean Root says it pays the bills. And, you know, I, I think back to all of us, you know, we all, we all work in, Jobs that ultimately, you know, it feels great when we get our bills paid. Jeff Stallnecker says that, you know, his work is less than two miles from home. What a gift that is. But I want to I want to end the comments with Heather Steenwick um, tag. I know that's not her last name. Whoops. But, but Heather. Um, no, that is it. Heather Steenwick tag says that she has stayed where she's at because she's scared. To start all over again. Dang, Heather, I'm, I hear you there. Um, it's easy to say something trite right now, like, well, just follow your passion. But I know that starting over is difficult when you have people counting on you and you have mouths to feed and you have bills coming in. So I think for all of us, here are some relevant questions. At what point do we have enough discomfort to make a change? What stirs you or excites excites you about the future? And if we're not going to change careers, what are we willing to accept? What are we going to do about it? I don't have a quick answer for any of those questions, but as Heather's comment alludes to, fear can be very paralyzing 
and it isn't a decision to take lightly. Heather, I don't know the details of your situation, but I sure think many of us can relate. Listeners, some of you may be in a similar spot, questioning what am I to do with this life? And this month's episode focused specifically on career choices. So in light of that, if you're wondering, should I stay or should I go now? Or perhaps you are unsure right now of your future career. I hope a reading that I had heard a few weeks ago from my minister, Colleen Squires, will help. And it's called When Way Closes by Parker J. Palmer. So here we go. I was trying and failing to find a new direction for my life and feeling very discouraged about it when I got some life-changing counsel from an older woman named Ruth. I'm older now than Ruth was then, but her counsel continues to guide me. If someone else finds it helpful, I'll be glad I passed her wisdom along. If I were to discover a new direction, I thought it would be at Pendle Hill, a community rooted in prayer, study, and a vision of human possibility. But when I arrived and started sharing my my vocational quandary, people responded with a traditional Quaker counsel that, despite all good intentions, left me even more discouraged. Have faith, they said, and way will open. I have faith, I thought to myself. What I don't have is time for way, quote-unquote, to open. I'm approaching middle age at warp speed, and I have yet to find a vocational path that feels right. The only way that's open so far is the wrong way. After a few moments of deepening frustration, I took my troubles to an older Quaker woman, well known for her thoughtfulness and candor. Ruth, I said, people keep telling me that way will be open. Well, I sit in silence, I pray. I listen for my calling, but way is not opening. I've been trying to find my vocation for a long time, and I still don't have the foggiest idea of what I'm meant to do. Way may open for other people, but it's sure not opening for me. Ruth's reply was a model of Quaker plain speaking. I'm a birthright friend, she said somberly, and in 60 plus years of living, Way has never opened in front of me. She paused, and I started sinking into despair. Was this wise woman telling me that the Quaker concept of guidance was a hoax? Then she spoke again, this time with a grin. But a lot of way has closed behind me, and that's had the same guiding effect. I laughed with her, laughed loud and long. The kind of laughter that comes with a simple truth exposes your heart for the needlessly neurotic mess it has become. Ruth's honesty gave me a new way to look at my vocational journey, and my experience has long since confirmed the lesson she taught me that day. There is as much guidance in what does not and cannot happen in my life as there is in what can and does. Maybe more. Thank you, Colleen, for sharing this reading earlier this month. And what does Colleen love about being the minister at All Souls Community Church of West Michigan? Well, she just says because of the caliber of the people and the community that she serves. They lead with their hearts and are truly their authentic selves. I am blessed to be their minister. Colleen, the words authentic and heart and your comments, those are the two words I immediately think of when I think of you. 
So thank you for serving so well. Well, that's the recap. And 10 episodes in for 2020. We've got much more on the way. Do you have a question, feedback, or request to participate in a future episode? I am having so much fun learning from you. So go to rechoicepod.com to read more. Danny Pellerito produced our music. Thank you, Mel Trombley, Kenny Joyner, and Mark Pellerito for being our guests this month. And listeners, thank you for participating. Reframe your past, renew your present, and reclaim your future because after all, it is always a choice. See you next time.